And welcome in to our Monday edition here of Heads or Tails. Bill Priestley here along with Michael Rudolph. And we'll be talking about GDP and also some labor issues here as well as we kind of get into the last quarter of the year. Sure. So we're going to talk about consumer health more broadly, but I thought it might be fitting to just kind of check in with the prologue. Uh, we dive deeply into economic data sets and numbers that may not feel very relevant for our audience. And I just wanted to kind of clarify, like, why do we focus on economic data? Why do we keep our finger on the pulse of consumer health? For some of you, this may be kind of, uh, you know, a common knowledge, right? But the idea is that when we look at the U.S. economy, consumer spending is the U.S. economy. It's about 70% of GDP total. So whatever the consumer does has an enormous effect on how we all live our lives. And of course, you know, if they spend on goods, then that's the goods moving through this country, whether we import them from abroad or, you know, manufacture them domestically, yada, yada, yada. So we're going to be looking at the GDP uh, the second quarter. And this was a kind of uh, interesting week last week, because usually the second revision to GDP, it's revised, uh, I believe, a total of three times uh, with the initial release. Um, it isn't usually a noteworthy affair, but what we saw you know, this for the second quarter is that GDP was revised pretty dramatically lower, right? This is troubling mm -hmm. because what was specifically revised was uh, personal consumption of the consumer, right? Goods. Uh, and so when we see that the Fed has been tightening the screws and keeping the screws tight for so long, while the consumer is already starting to pull back from their demand, right? They're already feeling the effects of inflation and high interest rates together. They're, they're doing their part. They're, they're showing the discipline that's necessary. Not as much as, you know, like uh, we had, you know, sorry, more so than we had previously thought. So we look at the real goods adjusted GDP year over year, right? Uh, this is the yearly change of real goods adjusted GDP. Real meaning it's adjusted for inflation, right? We don't have to worry about that. This is actually what's going on. And goods adjusted meaning that this is what's relevant to the freight economy. Okay. So we see in the second quarter just a, what, 0.38% year over year rise. That's better than no rise at all, right? We see mm -hmm. that giant dip in 2020. Of course, that giant spike in 2021 had very easy comps, right? But if we look prior to the pandemic, right, we see that even in the second quarter, if, you know, goods demand was weak, it was still more robust, you know, building on itself uh, year over year than it is now. So this is kind of pointing to a very troubling slowdown in momentum, right? And what we see in the freight market is that we are seeing signs of a recovery. We've passed the bottom it feels pretty comfortable to call that back in May, right? Yeah. So things are getting better. You know, it might be a slow recovery. It might be a painful recovery, but it's a recovery nonetheless. But if the consumer, you know, throws a wrench in that, they have the power to do so. If we see slowing momentum in consumer activity, this is going to potentially upset that freight recovery that we're seeing right now because what we've seen in, um, you know, tender rejections and spot rates, it's so hard to re retain upward momentum. It has been for the past few months. Like, we're still well above the bottom, but just getting, you know, climbing higher and higher is just a difficult feat. And you're still seeing some of those things that are impacting uh, consumers. We have obviously, student loans are coming back online. You've got other things that are taking away from the American dollar as well at the same time. Absolutely. We, we are seeing some kind of troubling symptoms of consumer health. Here's consumer claims. Uh, this is our, uh, not the initial claims for unemployment, but these are the kind of long ongoing claims of unemployment. This is where we see the velocity of the labor market and see how long people are staying without a job, right? Uh, of course, this line here means, uh, you know, zero year over year change, right? Percent change. Everything was negative, right? Uh, pretty easy comps uh, after the, you know, kind of post-pandemic recovery. And then, wow, we jumped up 30%. Now, I'm not going to say that this 30% is, you know, the, the most difficult comps it's ever faced. I mean, it's boosted by some relatively easy comps from 2022. Mm -hmm. That said, it is a trend and we're, we're looking for that. 
I believe Goldman Sachs said that there are some actually seasonal distortions weighing on the continued claims uh, data, right? Once that's removed, they'll probably shoot up. So I'm no expert in labor market data and how to manipulate it and how to read it, but that is worrying to me because consumers are starting to feel the kind of just the velocity of the engine of the economy just slow down to a crawl. And that doesn't inspire confidence to spend on goods. However, I could be wrong, right? This is the last chart we have here, and it will take me into a different segue. The higher rate, again, the velocity of the, uh, the, the labor market, right? How much, um, this is the rate, the percentage of how many employees account for new hires, just total non-farm jobs right here. Hmm. It is at its lowest in the past three years, 3.7%. Uh, I wish the data st could stretch back further, but you know, it's still very, very low, right? And so again, velocity, labor uh, market slowing, doesn't inspire consumer confidence. Now, all that said, I saw an article in the Wall Street Journal today, and it kind of, you know, uh, had a light bulb moment kind of click because I know better now to uh, bet against the U.S. consumer, right? They find a right. way to spend even if they don't have the means to do so. But I didn't really grasp the logic behind it. Like, why do they do this? So what the article in short explained was that faced with such high cost of living and housing costs and mortgage that seems so unaffordable rather than kind of hunker down and say for when the housing market is more, you know, amenable to new time uh, first time buyers, right? They're saying, I'm going to smoke it while I got it, right? And then this pandemic mindset may have kind of influenced this, you know, you never know what can be taken away at any moment. So you might as well just like live in the moment, spend, you know, thousands of dollars on concert tours or, you know, uh, you know, go buy you two tickets here, right, things yeah. like that. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, F3 tickets this November, if you'd like. Well, that's uh, a good investment. Though. Yeah, it absolutely is. But, you know, this kind of impulse spending uh, that's driven by a sense of despair. I mean, it's just, it's at odds with the logic that I would think of how to save and how to spend, but it does make a certain kind of sense. And that may continue driving consumers uh, spending into this fourth quarter with the holiday season, which is what freight markets need. Mm -hmm, exactly what they need. So at the moment, what are we looking at here? Headwinds or tailwinds? Because this is... Difficult. I came in. I came in with these three charts to argue. No, these are pretty difficult headwinds to overcome. But then, you know, as things get more and more dire, that could just kind of have the consumer push back further and further. That might end up being a headwind. I was fully prepared. Uh, sorry, a tailwind rather. I was fully uh, prepared to come in here and say headwinds, but in a perverse sense, it might be a short-term tailwind, long-term headwind. We will see. Let's just leave it at that. Michael, thanks so much for joining us for Heads or Tails. We'll see you again next week. For right now, we're going to take a short break. Come back with our roundtable and more after this. We'll